Thanks for listening to another life-transforming message from the team here at C3 Southwest Washington. To find out more about our church, visit c3swwa.com. I really believe that as you take a look at Scripture tonight, uh, and as we look into our message, uh, there's a powerful truth that appears here in Scripture. And this applies to you and I, applies to us as a church family. It says, when he entered the house, the blind men came to him and Jesus said to them, do you believe that I am able to do this? And I'll say this, there are gonna be many situations in your lifetime and in your family and your friends that are gonna be maybe not a blind moment where you can't physically see, but they're gonna be moments where you need something beyond what you can naturally produce. I'm not an eye doctor and uh, I have trouble I've, I've got getting my contacts down to 10 minutes, getting them into my eyes. I should not be in the eye profession, but I know that God is able to do above and beyond what I can physically do. There's these moments where we need God to step in and make up the difference between what we're able to do and what needs to be done. And so Jesus asked this question, do you believe that I'm able to do this? And they said to him, yes, Lord. Do you believe I'm able to do this? Yes, Lord. Then he touched their eyes saying, according to your faith, be it done to you. And their eyes opened immediately. Their eyes opened because of who Jesus is, but also because of their faith. And I wanna to talk to you tonight specifically about faith being our posture, okay? Faith being your posture, all right? Hand over your heart, let's pray. Father, I thank you tonight for this great opportunity to hear your word. Lord, I thank you that it's, not by the lips of a preacher, but Holy Spirit, you are here to illuminate all truth and we rely on that. We, we depend, God, upon you speaking through your people and out of your word in ways that shines on our path so that we can see a clearer way. And everyone, Lord, in this room needs a supernatural helper in moments of, of, of life. And so God, I'm asking you to teach us the posture of faith and it's in Jesus' name that I pray, amen and amen. And you can high-five the person next to you. You can be seated. It's good to be in God's house. And I'll just lean forward in this message. By the way, many of you asked me for my notes because I don't get to half of it. And so if you were to take a picture of that QR code, it would get you into our Google Drive. And I'll leave that there for a second. And you'll be able to look at the 100,000 scriptures I have for tonight that I will not get to, okay? And everyone said amen. Because you don't want me to go that long, right? Okay, so I want to talk to you a little bit again about this idea of posture, and there is a posture of faith, and it looks like something. Uh, I love to be, I, I could spot military guys and law enforcement guys in a heartbeat, even if they've been out of the military for a number of years in most cases, because there is just a different posture, the way they stand, the way they lean forward. When you go out to eat with them, they take the chair that looks at the entrance and exit. They're protectors. They're, they're always kind of ready to go. Um, faith is also a posture. It looks like something. And I'll be honest with you, I have not always walked with a posture of faith, even as a Christian and as a pastor. I hate to tell this story on myself, but I was in a hospital room with a guy who was being diagnosed with a severe medical condition that was going to require incredible uh, uh, man, just destruction of his body to deal with the situation before healing could take place. 
And because at that point in my life, I had not seen a lot of miracles. I had not seen many healings. The average healing that I saw was, you have the flu, we pray. And strangely, about 14 days later, after you survived, God's blessed you with healing and your immune system has taken over. And are you tracking with what I'm trying to say? Thank God that your headache went away after you took four aspirin and praise God. And while I'm not diminishing the value of medicine, I just hadn't seen a lot of miracles. But I can also tell you that if you look closely at my posture, I did not have a posture of faith. Because as the pastor, I remember sitting with this guy saying, hey, tell you what, listen, we're going to pray, we're going to believe God, but listen, not everybody gets healed. So we also want to take a look at the fact that if you don't get healed, that you can glorify God through the surgery. And maybe, maybe you're here in the hospital to be a blessing to one of the nurses. And while that's all true to a degree, listen, if you're sick and you need a miracle, you don't want a guy coming into your, listen, don't, don't, I don't want that coming into my room, especially not from my pastor. You will not get that from me when you interact with me now. If we find out that you're sick, it's like, okay, we're going to be over there and we're going to pray and we're not begging God to do anything. We're declaring truth, the word of God over your life, believing for complete healing. And why? But there's reasons why that has shifted in me and the shift in the posture has actually been the key that opens the door. The scripture that we read said, according to your faith, be it unto you. Our faith, our posture of faith unlocks things in the natural, and God comes down and visits the situations. Now, this posture I'm talking about is a lot, is, you know, it looks like a lot of things as we look at various sports. And um, I think about baseball. When you think about a posture for baseball, baseball is a lot like life. Every trip to the batter's box is an opportunity for success, right? You step up to the plate so you can swing the bat and you win. But it also includes a pitcher who's working towards your failure. You tracking with that? And he is strategic with distraction and deception and psychological influence to try to trick you into losing. In the process, your posture as the batter is key for you to be successful. You can't just walk up to, be, to the plate and be like, Like, that does, that's not going to work. Your enemy has a psychological edge. You can't walk up there and just be lazy. You can't walk up there and not have correct posture. There are things about the posture of a batter that postures him for success. Part of it's his attitude. Part of it's the positioning of his feet. Part of it's his placement of his hands on the bat. Part of it is the preloading of his hips and the placement of his shoulder before he swings. Part of it is his focus on the ball in the pitcher's hand before it ever leads, leaves his hand so that he can watch the release and he can watch it for its speed and he can also watch it for its placement. Life is a lot like baseball. Again, every trip to the plate is an opportunity, what? To win? And yet there is an enemy that wants you to what? Lose, right? So I want you to consider this idea and you know what? I'm kind of losing. This is jumping back and forth on me. So I'm going to, uh, Jocelyn, you and I are going to work together. We're going to do that thing because this is just not working correctly. What's that? Come, oh, she, she's got it. She's good to go. Uh, check out this quote. In this lifetime, you're going to face circumstances vying for your loss. Anybody, this is you? Do you know not, life is not really cheering for you? The circumstances of this world is not cheering for you. The people on social media, they're not cheering for you. Everybody loves to see a car wreck. 
right? So in this lifetime, you're going to face circumstances that are going to vie for your loss. And while many natural factors play a role in the outcome, a posture of faith invites the supernatural hand of God into that moment, forcing natural factors to yield to his will. Without faith, you will face every test in your own strength, but with faith, you and heaven face every situation together. There's about two of you that are excited about that. Come on, track with me here. You're going to step up to the plate. You don't have an option, but you either come up here alone to swing or you come with all of heaven accessible as you step up to the plate. But the thing that invites heaven to the plate with you is not the fact that heaven is able to. It is your posture to be partnered with the God of heaven. And that thing that invites him is faith. It's a substance that's part of you. It's a substance that activates heaven to be involved. Uh, another example that I'll go ahead and give you, if you've, anybody here, you've ever been around body work on cars? Anybody? Nobody? Okay. So you'll know that um, there's an element of body filler that gets used, plastic, bondo, some people call it. And in the process, they put this this mud onto the metal after they've worked the metal out to fill in the little dimples and cracks to be able to sand it down and to make it nice and smooth. And then ultimately they go ahead and they paint over that. But this Bondo or this plastic in the pail, if you were just to put it on the car, though it's soft and pasty, it would never ever harden up. But on the next slide, they're going to go ahead and show you. It, they add something to that that is a catalyst. It's called hardener. It's another chemical that if left to itself would accomplish nothing. But they take these two compounds and put them together and all of a sudden it begins to get hot and an uh, uh, unexpected reaction begins to take place. And that hardener into the Bondo then creates the heat and as you smear it onto the car, it actually begins to harden in a way that's like steel. That hardener is a catalyst. It causes a reaction that otherwise would not happen. And I'm telling you, in your circumstance, when you step up to the plate, no matter what it is, going out to get a job, about to take a test, about to try to work out a business deal, to see somebody experience life or healing, as you step up to the plate, if the catalyst of faith is present, it makes all the difference. And we read that through scripture. We see there were 10 men who were lepers. And as they engaged with Jesus, Jesus said to them, your faith has made you well. What made them well? Their faith. Their faith. God, yes. God made them well, but what allowed the healing to come? Faith. faith. Come on. Faith, faith right? Are you, I'll make this easy. That's the answer for every question I'm about to ask you. Okay, and there's no trick questions. I'm not going to do that to you guys. Without faith, heaven can heal, but heaven doesn't because God is drawn into the moment by your posture. Faith is a, definitely a posture that invites God into the situation. And without it, he longs to come into the situation, but your posture says no, or I have a posture of unbelief, or I have a posture of I don't care. But the posture of faith invites God into that moment. There was a woman bleeding uh, for 12 years. She was going to doctor after doctor, and yet the moment she came into contact with Jesus in Matthew 9, your faith has made you well. What made her well? Faith. faith. 
There was a paralytic man, a couple of them. And when Jesus saw their faith, he said, rise, pick up your bed and go home. And know what happened? They did. What made them well? Their there was a thing. This is now this is better, right? You're doing good. Okay. There's a man who is named Bartimaeus. He was blind. Jesus interacted with him and he said, Your faith has made you well. What made him well? Faith. See, now you get now you're competing this side against this side. I like that. Okay, there was a woman. Now check this out. There was a woman who had led a life like much of us. It wasn't really honorable towards God. And then when she met Jesus, she was so overwhelmed, she wanted to honor him. And she poured oil on his feet to prepare him for his burial. She was honoring him with this tremendous gift. But in the process, Jesus said to her, because she was a woman who was drowning in her lifestyle, she was rejected by her friends and her family and needed saving. And Jesus said to her, woman, your faith has saved you, saved you in this lifetime. So what is it that saves her? Her faith. Okay. The disciples were unsuccessful in their prayer time over a young boy who was having a physical issue. And Jesus said to them, you were unsuccessful because of your lack of faith. It's the same God. It is the same needy circumstance, but the catalyst that makes this active is faith. The disciples were afraid. Jesus said to them before this, let us get into the boat and go to the other side. Now, I don't know about you, but if Jesus says, hey, let's get in the boat and go to the other side, there is a here and there is a there, and my expectation is he'll live up to his promise. But halfway across the lake, as they were sailing out, a storm came in, and the disciples got looking at the storm and lost track of the promise of God. The promise of God is we're going to get into this boat, we're going to go to the other side. And yet halfway across, when all the storm begins to whip up, they begin to be terrified, and they wake up Jesus, and Jesus says to them, where is your faith? See, getting into the boat, their posture is, yeah, we're going to the other side. But then they got distracted because while they were up at the plate and the pitch was thrown, the enemy used the same kind of strategy that he used to try to make you think he's going to throw a fastball. And when he launches it, it's a change up and it's coming in. You almost tear your body out of joint because he has fooled you. It's not what you expected. I thought we were going to the other side. I didn't know we were going to die in a storm. Right? That is the bat, that is the picture what he will do. And so Jesus said, What really what he say? What happened to your posture of faith? In the boat, when we started off, you're like, Yeah, team Jesus going to the other side. And now all of a sudden you're like, ha, ha, it's raining. Okay, and that is such a great depiction, though, of you and I. And the pitch from the enemy will oftentimes change our posture. And so faith is more than just believing. Trust me, believing is a part of faith, but a posture of faith has multiple components. Next quote on the next slide. Faith plays a catalytic role in the contested moments of life. And if there's any component of our church that is incredibly valuable, it's that when people walk into this place, that we have a posture of faith. Because when they walk in... God is wanting to do things, but it's our posture that allows those things to take place. When a mom and dad want prayer for their kid, 
They don't need the pastor saying, well, we're going to pray one time and hope this works out. And sometimes it doesn't, so glorify God in your illness. Now, we, we lean forward with a posture of faith and say, be healed in Jesus' name. And if we have to pray a second time, we'll pray a second time. But there's that lean forward and there's that posture of believing God, a posture of faith. Because that faith is the catalyst that invites God into the situation. Well, Pastor Steve, I'm afraid if we say God heals, but then we pray for somebody and they don't get healed. Okay, I get that. But when I step up to the... I had a kid on a baseball team that I coached, and every single time, I don't even know why they're letting me go up to the plate. I stink. I'm no good. I'm not going to be able to hit the ball. He would cry going up to the plate, just chanting these negative things about what was about to happen. And as you can guess, because he had a posture of strikeout, guess what he did every single time? He struck out. And so I remember coaching him, and I said, listen, you got to stop saying these things. I want you to walk up there and say, I can hit the ball. I'm going to hit the ball. He's like, I can't say that. I don't know if I believe that. I said, okay, walk up there and say this. I'm going to swing at every pitch. I'm going to swing at every pitch. And so guess what? You know, it's like just a step above T-ball, okay? And listen, you can swing wildly and probably still get a home run at that level of, of baseball. And sure enough, he made contact at one point in one of the next few bats, and he was so excited. He made a, ran around the bases a couple times, and it gave him the confidence to walk up. And next he wants to walk up to the plate and be like, I'm going to hit a home run. I'm going to hit a home run. I'm going to hit a home run. But there's a change in the posture. And that posture invites God to be involved. You know, Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1 says, faith is the substance of things hoped for. It's when I step up to the plate, my faith actually has a substance. And when you look into the original Greek word, that word substance means there's a support there for it. There's a steadiness. Even though you haven't hit the ball yet, there's the confidence you will. It's actually describing a substance. Another replacement word for that is it's a posture. When you step up into the moment, I have a, you have a posture of faith. So like baseball, there's the placement of the hands, the placement of the feet, the placement of the hips, the shoulder, the focus, I want to give you just a couple of quick components that make up a posture of faith, okay? I want to point out the shoulder position, the foot position, the hand position, because these things will go into helping you to lean into a moment of faith. You ready to go? First slide. Um, the first component of a posture of faith is the, the, the revelation that God wants good, or God is good, God wants good, and God does good on our behalf. Now, that's, that's biblical. In fact, when you go through all the scriptures in the Bible, you discover not only is God good, God is the only one who is good. In fact, they tried to say to Jesus, hey, good teacher, and Jesus immediately deflected because they were honoring him only as a teacher, as an earthly teacher. And he said, whoa, whoa, why are you calling me good? There's only one who is truly, purely good, and that's God. Even though he was God, he was kind of deflecting to their misperception. And so we read through Scripture, and we see all throughout Scripture that God is good. But the pitcher is trying to convince you before he ever throws the ball that God is not good. You know how I know that? When you look in the book of Genesis, the first pitch thrown to Adam and Eve was the whisper that God is not good. 
as the serpent interacts with Eve, he suggests that God is not good. God is trying to hold out on you, Eve. Life would be better if you got access to this tree. God doesn't want you to have access to the tree because he is not really good. He's been lying to you. And I don't know about you, but there's times when I step up to the plate and I hear similar whispers. Have you ever felt like, yeah, God's good, but he's, he's good to other people, but I, I, I don't know. I, I don't know if he's going to, I know he can, but I don't know if he will. You ever said that? I know that God can heal, but I don't really feel like he's going to heal me. Or I feel like God does miracles for other people, but I don't know. I, I just don't know if I believe that he's do, he will do it for me. You, you know what? You're, that, that is really a, it's a revelation or it's a lack of revelation that God is actually good, that he wants good and does good on your behalf. And it will affect your posture. Well, you know, but I, I know me. I'm not perfect. That's not a requirement for God to do the miraculous in your life. Yeah, well, I've, I've, I've had, you know, I've had some negative thoughts, blah, 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 and I've made some mistakes in the past, so I really don't deserve God to actually do this. Anybody here who deserves anything? <laughs> Anybody? I mean, that's not a pre-qualifier. God's goodness supersedes your behavior. And so the fact that God is good, he sees you when you're at your worst, and his goodness overcomes all of that, and that's why he sent his son so that he could pour his son's goodness all over you so that you would be qualified to receive all of the good that he has for you. And so a posture of faith, and this, is gonna, this will take a shift for some of you, to actually have the confidence that God is good. He's not stingy. He's generous. He's good. He's planned your good from before the moment you were born. His plans are for you to prosper. His, his plans are for you to do incredibly well. And he wants to help you hit a home run every time. Hmm, you sound convinced. Um, the, vo the reason why you're not maybe convinced is because there's been so many other voices declaring other things. Not only that God may be holding out on you like, like Eve experienced, and she was fooled by it. It was a change-up. It was a slider. And she swung at it. Yeah, maybe God's not as good as he said, and maybe there's something better, and she discovered that the pitcher is a liar. But there's also where Job said to, uh, Job's wife said to him, you know what? Uh, curse God and die because the bad stuff that's happening to you in your life is because of God. There's this whisper in our culture that if God was really a loving God, why would he allow that to happen? If God was really good, he would have prevented that. If God really loved me, then he would have kept X, Y, Z from happening. And God gets accused of not being good more times than that. That's so pervasive in our culture. Um, that just takes a moment of, you don't even have to go to CSI school. Crime scene investigation. Here's, here, uh, I think Jenny quoted me a couple weeks ago. God good. Say it with me. God good. God good. Devil bad. You do not have to send the DNA off any place to find out the author of the situation. You don't have to, like, do deep interrogations and convince people to be snitches and put them into WITSEC or what all. I, I watch Blue Bloods. So I don't even know what this stuff means. I'm just kind of rambling here. It's not real complicated to find out who's to blame for this. 
God good, devil bad. I'll never forget, I had a, a man that was in our church, a good friend of mine, and when he first came into the church, I didn't realize this was an issue, but when he had been an older teenager, uh, his family adopted a, a younger sister. They, weren't able to they wanted to have a son and a daughter, and mom and dad weren't able to have a daughter, and so they adopted, and in the process of her being quite a bit younger, dad passed away. While he was in his later teens, but she was still a child. And when, as tragic as that is, he began to look up at God and say, God, what kind of loving God are you that you would take her father away when she's so young? And how will mom provide? And, and why are you allowing this to happen? And he carried this bitterness towards God into his life. And so walking around, he's got this offense against God, and it impacted his ability to worship. While he, he loved the idea of God, and he really he had a sense that I need to pursue after God, there's this deep resentment for the bad that had happened in his family's life that God was to blame. And it wasn't until the aha moment. God good, the devil bad. Look in Scripture, what is the last enemy to be defeated? Death, the book of Revelation. Death is not something that God goes and visits people and takes away somebody's mommy or daddy so that he can put more trophies in heaven on a shelf. God is not wanting to turn people into... people. So you know this, people don't get their wings when a bell rings. Angels are different than human beings, and after we die, certainly we enter, enter into the presence of God. But do you understand the last stroke of your lifetime is actually the final success of the wicked one? He kills you. Jesus came to bring us abundant life. But what did the enemy come to do? Bring killing, stealing, and destruction. And so when someone dies an untimely death, when someone dies, ultimately, do you understand death is the enemy's work? It's the enemy's work. And so for that revelation to be able to regain a pot, well, how can you have a posture of faith if you believe that God is running around killed your grandfather early? Or that the bad thing that happened into your life was because God didn't care and he allowed it to happen. No, there's a real enemy that is striking out at people. And when we go to, go to see God do a miracle, to step up to the plate and know, no, 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 God is good. God wants good things for you. God wants good things for me. And God is going to do good things on our behalf. That has to be a part of our posture, to be convinced that God, are you hearing me? That God is good and that he wants good things for our life. Amen? Okay. I, I don't have a whole lot of time for the next 15 points that I have. Let me go through them as quick as I can. Uh, so that's, that, that is, but that's critical. In fact, I could probably stop there and have an altar call. Because you have to be convinced that God is good, that God is wanting to do good in your life. Some of you are expecting the next bad thing to happen. And you feel like you really deserve it. And whether you do or not, what you need to understand, Jesus sent his, or God sent his son to undo that vicious cycle so that you could be seen as a righteous son or daughter and to walk in good things. And if you don't grasp onto that, you'll never really step into all the good things that God has for you. You'll feel like you're just a part of this because you snuck through the back door or somebody didn't check, you know, your, your, your 
status card well enough in. Even though you didn't have certain things, you were able to sneak your way in. It caused you all to, always to walk around feeling like, I don't deserve to be in God's presence. I don't deserve for God to answer my prayer. It's not based on that. It's based on the fact that God is good. God wants good and does good on our behalf. That is why Jesus healed everyone that he came into contact with, with the exception of a few people who their posture was like, no, I don't believe in you. That even people who were struggling with belief, he helped them in their unbelief. That's pretty amazing. Uh, next slide. Uh, another second component, like shoulder posture, would be a conviction that God's word always leads to our best. That the word of God is actually a roadmap for you to arrive at the great destinations of life. Unlike Eve, Eve thought God's trying to keep me from good. Actually, God's word, don't eat from that tree, was actually a roadmap how to get to good. And God's word is filled with good things. If you got time, read Deuteronomy chapter 28, verses 1 through 15. I don't have the time to read to you, but let me read just a couple of these lines. This is if you, if you just believe God's word. The Lord your God will set you high above all the nations of the earth. And all these blessings shall come upon you and overtake you. If you obey the voice of the Lord, if you believe the, the voice of the Lord today, blessed will you be in the city. Go downtown Vancouver, you're blessed. And blessed shall you be in the field. You go out to Ridgefield, you're blessed there. Blessed shall you be in the city. Blessed shall you be in the field. Blessed shall be the fruit of your womb and the fruit of your ground and the fruit of your cattle and the increase of your herds and the young of your flock. There's nothing like having a child. It changes our relationship with God. And when you have a child, what's your greatest desire for your kids? That they do well. No, following God's word, believing God's word, that it leads to his best will allow you then to proclaim the word of God over people's lives. Next component of uh, faith. Uh, an alertness for and recognition of the moment of contest. What do I mean by that? It's, it's you're up at the plate and the ball's coming in and you, there's times where we just miss the fact that we're at bat. We get distracted. And the plate comes across the umpire yells, strike, and we're like, oh, that's a bummer. Oh, I guess that was meant to be. And we're still up at the plate. And we're failing to realize that this is a moment for us to swing. There are some of you that have found yourself striking out and actually believing that this is a component of your life and this is how it's going to be. Not aware that, no, 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 this is a time to rise up and to swing the bat. Is it possible that you're living with things in your world that should not be there just because you've not swung at the pitch? That there's a diagnosis, there's a, a no from somebody in power over your life, and you're like, well, I guess it's not meant to be. The will of God will happen in your life as you swing the bat, as you fight against circumstances that say no, because God is a God of yes. Amen? Let me go through a couple more just really quick. Next point, um, uh, the authoritative use of truth to combat the deception. That pitch is coming in, it's saying you can't hit it. Yes, I can. 
As Jesus is experiencing the pitch of the wicked one, the lies and deceptions come in, what does Jesus do? He does what? He quotes scripture. And there are times when you get bad news from circumstances of life, and the way that you swing is you begin to declare the truth of God over that circumstance. It's the first thing that comes out of your mouth. And this becomes really important because we need to inform our situation and our circumstance of the heart of heaven. That's part of the posture. I don't know about you, but I'm like a very pragmatic person. So if I get a flat tire, I don't walk out and I don't go, oh, praise God. It's not really flat. By faith, it's filled with air. That's, that's not faith. But what faith is, is me coming around and looking at my tire and saying, I have a flat tire. That's reality. But the heart of God is for me to get to my destination. And even though I don't have a way to fix my tire, God is able to help me in this moment. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Now, as a pragmatic person, what do I, what do I like to do? I'm like, oh my gosh, what the heck? Oh, oh my gosh, sweetheart, get out of the car, come over. Oh my gosh, will you look at this? The tire's so flat, it's, fl it's flat. Scott, guess what, you're never gonna believe this. You can't believe the flatness of the tire on my car. Hold on a second, I gotta call Tyler. Tyler, Tyler, oh my gosh, my tire is so flat. It's flat. What are we gonna do? We're never gonna make it to our destination. Have you seen my flat tire over here? Oh my gosh, oh, it's never gonna work out. Praise God, oh, I love the Lord. Yeah, I'm just trusting he's gonna do something with my tire. I know this sounds like really, really crazy, but us, Using the Word of God, it's part of the posture that speaks faith into this situation. Faith is not ignoring the fact that this is flat, but faith is speaking to the situation about the possibilities of God. And while it's important for me to recognize that the tire is flat, if I spend more time talking about the flatness of the tire, how it might not work out, how everything could not come together, and I've got to inform Scott, and I've got to inform Tyler, and I've got to inform Abby, do you know that I've just pumped about a thousand pounds of CO2 into my circumstance, and I'm not creating an atmosphere of faith? Remember when Jesus went to feed the multitude? There were like probably 12,000 people there that day, 5,000 men, men, but there's probably 12,000 people. He asked a simple question. He said, how many loaves and how, what do we have to give the people to eat? Anybody remember? Remember that story? Uh, very sad numbers came in. They're recorded in the Bible. Jesus was assessing the flatness of the tire. You have to be a realist. Okay, the bill is $1,000 and we've got $49 in our checking account. That's okay. You need to be able to measure the distance between what you have and what you need and be real about that. But you don't focus on what you, the little that you have, you focus on the distance between what you have and the abundance of God and you begin to speak to the situation about the possibilities that are within the heart of God to meet the need. Even when circumstances and situations are bad, you'll get fooled into having a posture of negativity. The words that come out of your mouth 
impact your experience. And again, I'm not talking about, it's not, it's not flat by faith. No, it, it really is flat. Let's, let's agree on that. But then you begin to speak the promises of God. The heart of God is for us not to get stuck here. I'm not gonna be eaten by wolves on the side of the road. We're in, we're in Fred Meyer parking lot, come on, okay? We're, we'd probably survive this, okay? But God, you've got solutions, you've got answers. God, you can help us. And by speaking those words, my words then begin to affect my friends that I'm talking to about my situation, my kids in my car. I'm saying that God has, do you understand that when I begin to shine the spotlight on God in my difficult moment, it invites God to come and be God in the difficult moment. It is the catalyst for God to come. Jesus wanted you to know how little food they had so that you would be able to see the miracle that he would do. Amen? But what did he do when he prayed? Oh, we don't have enough. No, no, no. He blessed what he had. He didn't curse it. Oh, it's terrible. The Bible says he blessed the fish and the bread. And what happened? God did a miracle. You are, I know some of you have a hard time with this. Do you, am I going too long? I apologize. Um, <laughs> no, I don't. Um, do you know every single one of you are, are either a prophet or a coroner? That in your circumstance of life, as you stand on the edge of the valley, think about Ezekiel. He's brought to the edge of a valley filled with dry bones. It's a circumstance of life. It's an at-bat. And the question is, is this going to work out? And Ezekiel says, God, only you know. God instructs him to prophesy, to speak life. A prophet speaks life. A prophet speaks the possibilities of God. God, you are able. God is able, kids. He's going to send somebody by. The provision's going to be there. He's speaking life and possibilities. You know what a corner does? These things are dead. These things are really dead. And it's those spoken words which they're prophetic. They keep the dead bones dead. Amen? I want you to stand with me, and I just want you to think over this. We're going we're gonna to sing this song with the worship team. But I want to challenge you in this area. It's like a big, big area that I want, want you to really consider. That in your mouth is the power of life and death. The power to speak life into your circumstance or the power to continue to pour death into the circumstance. So Jesus asked, do you believe that I can? Oh, but you haven't seen the doctor's report. Oh, but no, no, let me take you down through every line of the doctor. This is big stuff. Do you believe that I can? Yes. And that creates the atmosphere of faith. Amen? You can declare over your kids, your family, your marriage. Oh, our marriage is so screwed up. Keep saying that. And guess what? It's going to get even more screwed up. Your spouse may not be perfect, but you are the worst spouse ever. You know what? You are just grooming them like a plant. And they're going to follow the things that you're saying. But you could say things that are true. They might not be the greatest spouse ever, but... The heart of God is over you. You have the, I'm believing that you are going to fly, man, and be such an amazing spouse. I see all the potential within you. Together, we can make a great marriage. You can speak life and prophesy over your situation. Amen? God's called you and I to that. So with your hands raised, let's go ahead and pray. We're going to sing this final song. Father, I thank you so much for the opportunity that we have. 
we have the opportunity to invite you into our circumstance, not just ours, but we have the opportunity to invite you into other people's circumstances. When their valley is filled with dry bones and things aren't looking well, God, we can inject our words declaring your goodness into them and invite you to come in and them to experience a miracle just by the power of our words. Father, as we lift you up, as we, we share the good things that you've done for us, as we speak life into the dry bones, the possibility is there. And even though the pitch has been difficult to hit, that posture allows us to swing and connect. And God, I'm believing. Not only, I know that we are a church with this posture, but Lord, you're desiring to help others in this room tonight to lean forward into a greater posture of faith. Some have little, but it's gonna become increased by leaning forward into speaking words of life. Father, some are gonna lean forward tonight because they're gonna stop blaming you for things that you haven't done and put the rightful ownership on the wicked one. The wicked one is guilty of the things that have happened to us. The wicked one was trying to steal, kill, and destroy. God, your heart is to do good things in our life. So Father, we invite you to adjust our posture we want to have you increase our faith. And it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen and amen. Let's... Thanks for listening. To find out more about our pastors, leaders, and what we do at C3 Church, visit our website at c3swwa.com.